0: Hi everyone and welcome back to the Hardcore Podcast. This is your host, Romy Ajay, and in this podcast I will be chatting to dancers from all over the world, from students to professionals, talking about their journeys, experiences, challenges and everything in between. Um, You can find us on Instagram at the underscore hardcore underscore podcast to stay up to date with all things podcast related. And without further ado, let's get on with the episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast. In this week's episode I'm joined with Liesl Rose. Hi Liesl. Hi. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Um, Let's get into the quick fire round so the listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Um, So first of all, how old are you? I'm 22. 22. Um, And where are you currently?
1: Uh, so currently I'm in Brisbane, Australia, um, and I'm a company artist with
0: Queensland Ballet. Nice. And what is your least favourite ballet step? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't particularly like um oned on turns in second, on point for girls. I think that is.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Wait, that's just a reminder. I haven't done that for a while. Yeah. it's kind of <laughs> ugly in point because it's like oh.
1: yeah yeah it's a weird shift for girls um yeah never been a fan of them
0: <laughs> it's a bit orcs I mean for some reason I was just thinking like you're preparing from second but I just realized you're not you're preparing from <laughs> fourth um I was <laughs> like okay I have yeah it can I think it can either go well or it can just go awfully wrong
1: yeah I feel like they're a bit unpredictable
0: yeah and most of the time it's it's kind of <laughs> awkward um uh, let's be yeah oh gosh I just got memories last time I did that okay it's fine I'll go over that <laughs> um yeah not ideal but guys make it look so good so they make it look so easy they can own it that's fine I'll let them they can have that step so, um and what's your favorite piece of choreography um anything you've seen or done I do love the
1: classics um
0: we yeah we love a bit of classics
1: I love Balanchine I was really lucky Mm. to do two of his pieces so we did Serenade and Who Cares and Mm -hmm. I feel like you're breaking every single classical ballet rule when you do his pieces Mm -hmm. and there's like complete sense of freedom and fun and yeah I do love a bit of Balanchine. Um, And I love my contemporaries as well. I kind of love everything. Mm.
0: Yeah, I need to, that's something I would really like to do in my life. I mean, there's a lot of things I'd like to do, but like one of them is like dance Balanchine just for the experience and just, I don't know, like it's just, yeah. It looks incredible in like a completely different way to like how like a really clean version of Giselle looks, which like, I love classical ballet too so like it's interesting to see because all these things can be incredible at the same time but it's like oh you I want to see them all yeah. I want to do the I want to do the I want to experience them all
1: definitely
0: that would have been really cool to do I want to ask about like what that was like um later and what is your favorite leotard that you own
1: um, we do a lot of Yumiko orders here, which I like, because I was I do I love
0: Yumiko.
1: Oh, uh, that was choose from, um, uh-huh. brand that I think are based in WA, um, I am saying the name right, Bodil.
0: Yeah.
1: Elias hard. Bedins, yeah. With us as well, so, yeah.
0: I love I their come. warm-up trousers. Do you have a pair of those?
1: Don't actually, yeah. I want They're, I want- they're they so very- good.
0: <laughs> When I went to WA this year, like I, like when I I did class and everyone was wearing them, and I was like, I need a pair. And then I like bought a pair like the next day. I was like, and I wear them every single day. Like they are getting their wear. But they're great. Yeah. Love them. Are they really popular in the company?
1: They're getting there. I think they're skirts. Um, There's a few leotards coming around and I've got quite a few. Nice. Like like comfort yeah look yeah I love them
0: nice and what is your favorite food
1: um I grew up in the kitchen with my mom and my nan so I'll try almost anything but I do like Asian or Italian cuisines they're
2: probably my favorite
0: Yeah. yeah yeah good choices um so let's talk about your journey how you got into dancing how old were you what did this look like and then um kind of talking about like what the point that you decided you want to go into full-time training and like go into a more professional environment
2: Ooh,
1: I wish I could talk to my 14 15 year old self and say buckle up you've got one hell of a journey <laughs> <laughs> prepare yourself there's a lot to unpack here but yeah started to- mm-hmm. so I started dancing when I was three years old mm-hmm. um up in quite a musical household. There was dance in the family, which okay. was really cool. Um, and I just did everything, you know, jazz, tap, ballet, mm-hmm. every lyrical, the works. Um, and I did that all the way up until I went to the ABS actually. So okay. i grateful to have quite a mixed, I don't know, I guess repertoire in my training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I don't think I decided I wanted to do ballet until I was about 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like my career um I remember watching WA Ballet's um I think they did a triple bill I believe it was and the pieces that stood out to me the most was Dying Swan oh my gosh and um, I think it was I, I'm pretty sure it was that triple bill that they did who cares as well actually Valentines
2: mm-hmm. um I just
1: remember like watching every second of it going oh my god this is what I want to do mm. And then it was recommended to me to audition for the Aussie Ballet School's um, interstate training program. Mm -hmm. And I had never heard of it (laughs) at the time. Um, So we looked into it and they were coming to Perth to audition. And I was just a couple of months young enough to do the audition, basically be in the program, which was very cool. Um, So yeah, I just went, all right. So (laughs) I auditioned for it, Um, managed to get in, which was pretty cool. Um, And I did that program for two years. So I would go to Melbourne in about the middle of the year and um got to spend like a week at the school training um doing their yeah what they would do in a day basically Mm -hmm. they got you you know see if you're the right fit for them um and I was quite surprised but I got into level five for 2016 which was cool so yeah so that's how I kind of got into it all Mm -hmm. um and then yeah my beautiful family packed up and moved to Melbourne with me which I'm so incredibly grateful they did um They just wanted to give me the best possible opportunity to support me and follow my dream. Um, And I think it's so important to have like a home to come home to at the end of the day as well. Like training's hard. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I will forever be grateful that they did that. Um, Mm. yeah, I came to Melbourne in 2016 and I joined level five, um, and yeah, I went into full-time training for the first time as well. So I've still been doing, you know, full-time school after I was training all of that, um, up until then. So mm-hmm. I was, um, and yeah, I remember coming home on the first day and saying to my mum, I can't even do a plie. <laughs> I had to be completely retrained. Um, mm-hmm. I feel worse in the class and yeah, obviously around that age as well, you, you know, you're starting to turn into a woman. You're, looking at yourself every day in just a leotard and tights um so obviously along with that you know came some body image some eating issues I could talk Mm -hmm. for years about that side of ballet and training for young girls yeah the whole thing in itself but it's rough yeah yeah um so I had a bit of that but um I also joined I think we were called the vintage year or the golden year Mm -hmm. and we were basically once in a blue moon, a whole level of students was just incredibly strong. Um, and yeah, so not only were you like proving yourself, you know, trying to stand out in a strong group, but also obviously with training a bit of an unlevel playing field as well. Mm. But I was noticed for having a niche for being incredibly quick and adaptable with choreography and quite reliable. Um, so I did get the opportunity to, you know, for certain productions dance up with the older levels, which was cool. Um and yeah, and then closer to my graduate year, I was indirectly told that I didn't have the right look for ballet and I wasn't like everyone else. And I just started to feel like I wasn't really,
0: I don't know. What <laughs> weird thing to say. Um oh, I'm <laughs> over this. Yeah. I okay. mean, oh my god
1: yeah and right you know yeah right to- as
0: you're graduating you're like already having a midlife crisis just something's like you're not right for this sorry but yeah so that
1: I started to feel like I was never really believed in and yeah. it kind of led to confidence and self-doubt issues okay. um and yeah but it was also kind of the turning point for me where I was like well you know I don't dance for everyone else I dance for myself mm-hmm. um I'm not going to dance to please others anymore.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. I worked on my confidence a lot and just remember thinking, well, if no one's going to believe in me, then I will. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And then within that, you know, I still, I felt like as well, I was always waiting for someone to be injured, which sounds terrible to get opportunities because they noticed that I had this niche, but it was like, I couldn't have the opportunity to be put out there a little bit more unless that happened because I was such okay. a good,
2: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which incredible
1: but yeah obviously it was a bit of a blessing and a curse Mm -hmm. um and then yeah into my graduate year I started being told that those qualities would be really valuable in the company and that I had a really good shot at a job um which was that felt great compared to the feedback I had the year before um -hmm. I was never really given any other feedback other than that you know there's the typical pony technique but you're Mm -hmm. looking really um so yeah and like absolutely no disrespect at all to the school, the training and experience that you get is absolutely beneficial. Um we had the luxury of having quite a few secondments throughout our graduate year. So, you know, we came out the other end with professional experience, which obviously looks great on your resume when you're sending it elsewhere. You're not just a student, you're a pre-professional. Mm-hmm. But uh I think this is all done differently now as well but at the time I was in the last year of David McAllister's directorship um so we would have an interview to find out whether we have a job or not I believe they do it differently now Mm -hmm. um yeah I went in on the day of my interview and it was
2: horrible
1: as well third last I think so obviously we kind of knew oh god (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't fun Um, (laughs) Yeah, I went in on the day of my interview and I was told I didn't have a job and <sighs> it, no other explanation, nothing to sort of work on. Yes. I was told I had beautiful feet and <laughs> that mm. was it. Mm. Oh, I, was, I was just shattered. And, um, you know, as much as they say they do, they really don't prepare you for disappointment. Mm. Um, and I think unfortunately then as well, it was seen as failure if you didn't get in and had to look elsewhere.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so yeah and I remember we went to Sydney the next day to do our showcase and I spent every <laughs> gap in the performance up the back in tears because I just felt so exposed
2: yeah
1: um and yeah and also within that year um when when you would have these interviews you could also there was a possibility of being offered a short contract for their story time season which is mm-hmm. like a a kid's version of something I think that year it was Nutcracker Mm -hmm. Um, it was the first year that, (laughs) or in quite a while that I knew of the people that got into the company also got to do story time because they weren't needed for the first month of the year or something Mm -hmm. like that. So no other option, it was just yes or no. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was a bit crappy as well. (laughs) Um, but then through injury, I was actually offered a spot story time which ended up being perfect timing for getting ready for audition season as well because obviously Australia we have a bit of a gap where yeah. things continue on um mm-hmm. uh, so yeah and it was in that that I got to meet Madeline Eisto and work with her she came on tour with us and she was the first person I felt like believed in me and supported me um she gave me a lot of opportunities within the tour um I got to learn the grandpa. I got to do a couple of shows at the Sugar Bum Fairy. And it just really boosted my confidence. I think I felt mm-hmm. like I was at a point that I really needed that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then, yeah, along the tour as well, was, there was mention of the possibility of more work. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, obviously there.
2: Yeah, like. Mm.
1: And then we got to the end and nothing. I didn't hear a thing. It was thanks for working for us. Up you go. Mm,
2: so, that's
1: really hard. Um, so I'd spent the whole tour, um, sending out applications, trying to plan an audition tour as well. Um, but obviously I had limited dates being that I was working up until pretty much the end of January. Mm. Um, but there also was limited opportunities that year. It was a bit of an off season. Um, and keep in mind, this is the start of 2020 as well. Mm-hmm. So yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, chaos. It was coming. Um, it hadn't okay. gone global just yet. But mm-hmm. um so yeah, I ended up going overseas. I was fortunate enough to receive a scholarship um through the Big Brother movement, um, which was really, really great. They they basically give you a sum of money to go overseas and gain experience in your chosen field. So they had one for performing arts and then I think it was like agriculture, that sort of thing as well. It was really cool. So I was really grateful to have that. Um mm-hmm. and it really helped being able to go over. Um, so yeah, I went and nothing can prepare you for going over to audition, especially coming from Australia. We're in quite a little Island down here, even though we're a big country, Yeah, you know, there's only limited opportunities here. So it's quite a while away. It was quite daunting. Um, but I had pretty positive experiences. I made it to the end of my first audition, um, which felt pretty good. I got to do two days of company class with Birmingham Royal Ballet, which was a bit of a dream of mine. Um, Mm. And I'm such a big advocate for um, private auditions. I think it's so good when you get to feel the company around you, they get to see how you slot in, you know, you're not in a cattle call.
2: Mm.
1: But they had, uh, Carlos Acosta had just started his directorship. So there was Mm. no
0: jobs going, but I was Mm. still so great. Yeah, great to do. Um, Yeah,
1: yeah. And then having done a bit of balancing and stuff. I decided to try out, um, an American company, Houston mm-hmm. ballet. And I was cut before pirouette. There was about 30 of us, but that, that was it. And they said, off you go. Wow. And <laughs> so that was at the end as well. Um, so yeah, I was a bit, obviously a little bit disappointed with that one, mm-hmm. but there was still, um, the yeah. last month of training, I had also auditioned for Hong Kong ballet. Um, and the director had spoken to me and said he was interested and would possibly get me over in about March, I think it was, to do class and, you know, feel the company. So there were there were possibilities. Um mm. and we were COVID tailgating us the whole way round. So there was announcements on the airplane saying, you know, if you've been in mainland China, declare yourself for customs and Oh my God.
0: Work. Yeah.
1: Um <gasps> I came home and then about two weeks later, we went into lockdown. And I was living in Melbourne still at the time. And we were the most locked down state, I think, in Australia. So I spent mm. about nine months at home and what a lot of people find not really funny but it's it's funny for me to say Mm. is that I no longer belong to a school or a company I was completely on my own
2: yeah
1: (coughs) that's how that's the sum up of my training basically into yeah
2: well Um, we'll
0: we'll unpack that a little bit (laughs) before we move into like I guess the next transition because I guess like a lot well yeah there's a I guess there's a lot in that um I guess what I'd want to kind of uh you know ask first is how moving across the country um you know to join the school Aussie Valley School like it's a big it's a big move for you it's a big move for your family I guess what was did that feel like a natural move because I always when I ask people who have made this like quite big move you know completely switch up their life and I think in the moment you know you've been given you know you've been given a place at school the natural or what might feel like the natural thing is like yes let's go let's take that da, da, da. and you kind of don't think about I don't know like I how how was that move essentially um quite
1: daunting I think mm-hmm. we didn't have any family we didn't know anyone in Melbourne it was okay where we didn't know anyone, um yeah. and yeah, we—I don't know. I think yeah, like you said, it was the like, oh my god, I've done this thing. I'm gonna do ballet. Um, mm-hmm. because, like Western Australia, there's not a lot of opportunity to do ballet quite seriously. Yeah. Um, so it was, yeah, I was never really surrounded by a lot of like-minded people that mm-hmm. wanted to do. I say so I was still doing other styles and all that at the same time. Um. So, yeah, it was, I think, exciting, but also just terrifying at the same time. And at the time, I don't think there was anyone else at the Australian Ballet School from Perth, um, except for one with me in the same year. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that was, it was strange being, you know, one of the only ones that had come from the other side of the country. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the Eastern Coast girls also knew each other through competitions and friends of that sort of thing. Obviously, the ballet world is big but small. Mm-hmm. um so yeah it was quite scary <laughs>
0: yeah awesome. and starting like at you know going into the like especially I think the first year is it's like completely different you're not I don't know if like it was what you expected um but what you know like looking back at some of the challenges that you had and I guess like we were talking about especially um, around like body image and food and kind of the relationship that you develop with yourself. Um, what was that like for you?
1: Um, I think that I didn't know who I was mm-hmm. very well. I thought, I, but this was a whole new environment, a new way of life, a new me, basically. Yeah. Um. So there was a lot of getting to know that and yeah like you said building a relationship with yourself which at the time wasn't a particularly good one
2: but mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but
1: yeah I think it, it wasn't at all how, what I expected it to be like but, but I think you know when you've never been in a full-time environment in such yeah. a series like that as well um mm-hmm. yeah it was very different very intense I had Russian mm-hmm. teachers um but there were yeah yeah I don't know I can't even really explain it It yeah the whole thing was a big
0: yeah change yeah Yeah. I can imagine but it would have helped having your parents there I'm sure
1: yeah I will forever be grateful that they were there for me because I would have lasted very long um yeah if I didn't have them there we had heard um I want to call them horror stories but quite a few stories of other people in Perth that had been and come home within the year so going I was determined to be the West Australian girl that finished it through Mm. I wanted to get all the way to the end yeah um I I am really proud of myself for that and I'm really glad that I did um but yeah
0: it was quite the journey Mm. going into I guess like the next few years at the school um what was that like like you know, like you'd said, you know, there was times where teachers were saying like, oh, you know, we don't think you've got the right look. And then the next year they were kind of a little bit more, you know, they were praising your skills at picking up choreography and being reliable and things like that. How did that, I guess, like chain, well, you said you ended up graduating with pretty low self-confidence. Um, But like when you were in the environment, what, I guess like what was the experience that I guess as well someone who's going through that and listening to, to this now what advice would you give to like get through because school is like this like it is yeah up it absolutely- and all the way down like within the same week um absolutely so yeah how did you kind of looking back how do you think you dealt with it would you have dealt with it differently what advice would you give to someone who's like right in the middle of their training?
1: I think, I think when I had that moment of remembering why I dance. Yeah. Because you do get so consumed by this feeling that you're trying to impress the people at the front of the room. Yeah. that you, And then, yeah, you hear something like, oh, you're not like everyone else. You don't have the right look. And it just, yeah, it crushes your self-worth and you're belief in what you can do Mm -hmm. um and yeah I think that yeah it's so easy to get caught up in that so I think yeah really holding on to why you do what you do um for me I've always loved performing more than classwork um Mm -hmm. it's grown on me but definitely at the time of the school I was much more of a performer than I was a class dancer Mm -hmm. um and you know there is something about that feeling that you just yeah hold on to Mm. um but yeah I think that yeah remembering that was really important um and then I think as well like it's oh, hard it's so, yeah it's so hard to put into words because I think at the time I thought I was really happy you know okay you don't obviously but looking back,
0: yeah no I feel I feel the same like I look back and I think I think you thought you were happy but you're actually going through all this and just blocking it out. So like, I don't know if you're really happy.
2: Yeah. No. Literally,
1: until I sat and wrote a few notes about, you know, mm-hmm. what I wanted to talk about today, I hadn't actually sat and unpacked it before, and it was it brought up quite a lot. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this has a hell of a journey. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I think that. Yeah, remembering who you are. Mm-hmm. Oh and what you can bring to the table and focusing on that rather than focusing on the people at the front of the room, they're going to think what they're going to think. Quite often in school, there is a bit of an unlevel playing field as well. So, you know, I think just going in there every day and knowing that you're putting your all out there Mm -hmm. and yeah, I don't think there's anything I would have done differently. I think that I, yeah, I went in every day and did the absolute best I could. And um, yeah, I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason. Um, I think that comes up quite a lot as we go on the next few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that having that turning point was really important. I think that those things being said to me actually was the best thing ever because it made me go, okay, well, that's what you think of me, but I'm still going to show up and, mm-hmm. you know, out there. and but yeah, it almost had the reverse effect, even though it crushed me, it also was a bit of fuel for wanting to keep going mm-hmm. and proving the- I just need to prove myself. A lot so yeah yeah
0: no I really I really relate to that actually um I think it's just people have different personalities and stuff like that I mean like it crushes you um and you know I think everyone will have a point in their training where something has been said to them that was quite hurtful like you know it's affected them it's might come in their head every so often like five years from then like I still get things that come up but at the time although like something you know was said and it was not the fate not not always what not what you want to hear um I think for some people it's like it is fuel for like okay I'm gonna prove you wrong I'm gonna prove to myself that I can do this and I mean, that was very much like me. So like I relate to that reaction. Yeah. But it's really hard because it's also painful because you kind of I don't know, like I just think like, oh, it's just so relentless. Like it just doesn't sometimes it just doesn't end this <laughs> feeling yeah, was, of like, you know. Yeah, you're so young and
1: impressionable impressionable, sorry, yeah. at
0: that
1: point yeah point in as well. You know, these are quite vital years in your life where you're like learning- right yeah body's changing everything is changing Mm -hmm. um but yeah of course when someone says those things to you you're gonna believe them if you don't believe in yourself
2: yeah I
1: should say I think everyone always believes in themselves but yeah
0: Mm -hmm. it's like that finding that point of being able to like hear it and like not let it define absolutely yeah like, who you are, how you think, how you move, how you dance, like, whatever, because, yeah, I mean, that's, it's that's actually, like, thinking that's something that I've had to let go of, is not placing my worth with the person who's at the front of the room.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
0: And that's no, been really hard, like, I think one of the hardest things, mm-hmm. um, like, the hardest challenge, but I think everyone, it's something that A lot of people go through. Absolutely, like we're all seeking this validation from the person at the front.
1: Yeah, and even you know ballet itself—you're constantly striving for for perfection, but
0: perfection doesn't exist. As well, doesn't exist. We're chasing craziness. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I guess that's. I mean. Thank God we're in a better place. Yeah, and it it's something, I don't think it's something we have to go through, but it is something that you, if you go through, it's just, it's how yeah. can we not let it? I don't know. It's, it's really, it's hard.
1: It's strangely common. There are so yeah. many people about their journey through training yeah. that when you sit and look back on it, you go, oh, that was pretty, you know not great I don't want to say traumatic because that sounds quite heavy but
0: yeah it's pretty loaded it's a loaded experience especially during such young years like
1: and it's so sad how common that is that you know you should go through that in your training you know your training should be setting you up for the good not stripping you down to get to that
0: I think that's the hard thing is like I and I think that's what a lot of schools I think are struggling to I guess, encapsulate is like, how, how can we perfect, my God, I can't speak, prepare the dancers for so-called the real world. We're all living in the real world. Right. Anyway. So like, I always find that phrase, I'm like, but this is the real world too. We're just in school. Um, Is how can we like prepare our dancers to like, because in, you know, in a company environment, you know, stuff does Sometimes you know you have a quite you can be in a company with a controlling director or like quite controlling staff or you know there's always going to be favoritism wherever you go. There's always going to be rejection. There's always going to be being put into having parts taken away from you, given to you last minute. Like, like I completely understand being prepared for that, but there's there's a gap between preparing. You're set like preparing the dancer for a challenging professional life because it's a challenging experience. And then stripping them down so they actually mentally can't get through so-called challenging professional life. And I don't I don't know, there's a gap. And it's not it's not making a lot of sense. I because the more I think about it, I've had a lot of conversations this week with people and I'm just kind of got to this point where I just don't actually think a lot of schools are preparing yeah. dancers to be the best version of themselves, essentially, um, as a person where they can go into an environment and be like, I believe in myself, I believe in my journey, I believe that whatever's meant to be, and, like, strongly be able to say that. Um, Absolutely. But also be prepared to dance professionally. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not saying that, like, when p- people coming out of school at the moment aren't, like, up to scratch or anything, but it's more like it's being able to jump into things. I don't, there's just all these little things, and I just think there's a gap, basically. Yeah. And there's it's... a lot of
1: preparing the dancer, mm-hmm. but not the pet. Yeah. And there's a lot of neglect to the mental health side and yeah. the I guess, individuality side, you yeah. know, who that does often, you know, they're like, well, we're pre- preparing the dancer, but there's so much more to you than just a dancer. Yeah. Oh,
2: that later. But yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. It's it's a strange one, but so go back to you could let's go back to you your journey. Uh, <laughs> um, so you came back to Melbourne. <laughs> and it was like the start of COVID. I remember this really strongly because I had a friend who I was like dancing with who was from Queensland. And before COVID happened, she was kind of like and her mum, I think, worked for Qantas. So yeah. they were finding out, like they were being told, like, oh, okay, we're thinking before like lockdown was announced, like, okay, borders were, you know, we the border might be closing in two weeks. Like, there's word um and so she kind of just like had to leave all of a sudden we all kind of like oh like oh this COVID thing like two weeks what? max like she's got but then it was like the fact that through her we'd heard that Australia was shunning its borders we're like that's quite intense you know yeah. anyway I just have so I can imagine flying from Europe in this kind of build-up when no one really knew what was going on like did was that ever a fear like did, were you hearing that, that you felt like you had to rush home at a certain time because of I that?
2: Yeah. Okay, think so it
0: was just before that. Getting home, it started
1: okay. to. Okay. Very lucky to get back when we did. I didn't have to worry about the whole um, postal ISO, oh, any of that. Nice. I was incredibly lucky more. But, yeah, it was, okay, we're going into this little snap lockdown. It'll be two to three weeks. And we're mm-hmm. like, oh. mm-hmm. um my training I did feel prepared for that and been taught how to look after myself um how to condition my body all that sort of thing mm-hmm. so I was like all right well, you know I'll get up every day I'll warm up I'll do some sort of class holding onto my stair banner yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> Two
1: squares of whatever I had at the time um and yeah just try to keep a routine going um mm-hmm. but yeah but then we started to know obviously lockdown wasn't going to end anytime soon um And I was like, I need something to keep me going mentally, to keep me learning. Yeah. Um with the TAFE. And I just wasn't really interested in any of the courses. Um, and that's when I decided to do my Pilates course. So Mm -hmm. for the I was at training at the Aussie Ballet School, um, I was also going to align for life Pilates in the city Mm -hmm. and doing Pilates sessions once or twice a week for about Mm -hmm. an hour after hours. So Um, I met the beautiful Chantel Ralston, who was a former ballerina, um, with Hong Kong national and English national ballet Mm -hmm. and not long retired as well. So she had the whole ballet understanding as well. And, um, yeah, my conditioning teacher, Katrina owned the studio. So she worked at the studio that I went to. So, Mm -hmm. and I, I loved it. I've always been fascinated by the anatomical side of a dancer Mm -hmm. and how. You know, doing something like Pilates and finding these really deep muscles that we don't know we have, all of a sudden makes me stand on my leg better or something mm. like that. Yeah, I reached out to her, um, and said, you know, I'm thinking of doing this. The studio that she owned did the training as well, which amazing. was amazing. Um, really? and she said, I a idea." Um, so yeah, it I started doing that. So it added an element of routine to my day. You know, I had a timeline, I had due dates, kept me in shape as well for ballet, which was because like I said I had no one so I didn't have you know I wasn't being sent a schedule saying follow this zoom link and join our class I I don't know if anyone from there or whatever will hear this but I have always wanted to thank and I hope I'm saying his name right Mm -hmm.
0: Ernst um oh king King
1: I don't think I would be dancing if it wasn't for those So shout out to him
0: shout out to (laughs) Ernst, if you're listening, I don't think he's ever going to listen. But Iconic King, I'm the same, so I'm relating to this so much because I think that was the hardest thing. And I always got frustrated because, like, people, like, obviously we're all, like, lockdown wasn't good for Like, it was a difficult time for everyone. Um, But it's nice to hear, like, a fellow person who was also struggling with the sense of, Because I I like routine, like I like to be busy and I struggle with not being busy so this was a shock to the system and it was hard having to make up my own routine because again like you that no one was the pre professional program that I was in before lockdown as soon as lockdown started it that was it it was bye guys if you need any help let me know but like yeah I had the same no Zoom no no nothing I was like what do I do going yeah. crazy
1: yeah incredibly grateful to have those um but Ernst. they really can't go on great um yeah, he did. and it also the biggest thing I learned from it it taught yeah. me how to use my because obviously ballet is an unspoken art form um and all of a sudden I had to learn how to instruct someone and explain movements and obviously we had the added challenge of doing it like this so I would yeah. One and then have them laying there with their cover on the floor, you know, trying to tell them what to do, tell them how they're meant to feel. Mm. um But yeah, and I think at, at the time as well, I was the youngest instructor in training. Obviously, so it's not very common for a nineteen-year-old to. Mm. Well, I could, yeah. um And so yeah, it was good for keeping me connected to friends and you know meeting meeting people That's as well. What, yeah. So, yeah, I'm so so grateful I did that. And obviously, you know, there was a bit of a thing of. Or when we get out of the other side of this, it's something that I can do for work while still looking for ballet. Because at this point, I, I don't even know how. So many people have asked me, how did you keep going and decide that you were going to keep doing ballet even after nine months at home? And I just said, I don't know. It just wasn't an option to stop. Yeah. Um, no, same yeah. for
0: me. Like, my brain, I, I don't know. Like, I, But I never really felt, I think, it's weird. I think because everyone was going through it, It didn't, although like you felt like, oh my God, like I was always thinking, like, oh my God, like, is there more that I could be doing? Um, but I think because the whole world had kind of come to a halt and everyone was in this position, you knew that actually really barely anyone was out there getting work. Yeah. So like you could you really could only do what you could do in the space that you had. I never thought about it that way, actually yeah like, well, I mean that's what helped me like I was like well I'm going to keep going because eventually this is going to end and after it ends I can go out and keep trying but like right yeah. now like if I give up now then we're going to come out and I'm I, like, I don't like, know but also I'm just I never had this thought that I wanted to give up during it um yeah. but it was hard and I just, I mean, it was, yeah. Like you look back and it's like I don't, I don't know how I got through it. I don't know how most people, anyone who's still da- like who's dance, who had to dance through lockdown, especially without the support. Like I had, I don't, I didn't have any support. Um, yeah. And so having to like learn how to support yourself um, was hard. Yeah, yeah, it was. But yeah. it's nice to hear from another like person you feel the same <laughs> yeah. oh, my oh my god awful times but it's fine yeah, we're not very... awful all the time <laughs> not awful sometimes i do think you know a two week lockdown like just a mini break <laughs> yeah a mini break from everything
2: <laughs>
0: yeah i don't know
1: yeah absolutely oh, well. There were there were little to no opportunities anywhere. Yeah. Um, but there was nothing. No one was hiring. No one was dancing. No one was doing um, anything. Yeah, yeah. And I was um, accepted into English National Ballet School, decided to start this training program.
0: Oh, I know a few um, people that have done that. Yeah.
1: yeah so I was accepted into that, but we were peak lockdown. I think we were at the yeah. point where we had things. I could not get to a visa office. Yeah. None of that. And it just, it wasn't the right time to go And as badly as I wanted something. I just had to let it go. So I let that one. Go. Um, and then it was at this point that my mum said, what about Queensland Ballet's pre-professional program? And my knee jerk reaction was, there is no way I could do it. There's no way I could go back into training and, you know, be in a group that works so closely to the company. When friends that I graduated with the year prior were in the company and mm. thrive. And Yeah, I just, I didn't think I could go through that process again. I was quite traumatized. Yeah, fair. But it was at this point that I met Alice from On Point Counseling. Mm -hmm. Um, And she, yeah, she was someone that could help you prepare CVs, plan your audition tour, mentorship, that sort of thing. Um, So, yeah, I reached out to her and we had a chat about it and she just completely flipped my perspective on it. And she said, look at it this way, you know, you've spent a year at home with no, no support, no, no, nothing, no schedule. Um, Would going back to training be such a bad thing, you know, just treat it as somewhere where you can go get back into that full-time environment, that peak physicality. You'd be around a company, which is an added bonus, but you know, just treat it as somewhere to go so that you can keep doing what you love basically and keep chasing your dream. Mm -hmm. So I came downstairs and yeah, I talked to my family about it. I had to incredibly, um, supportive friends at the time that I was really connected with throughout COVID um, mm-hmm. up here which was nice as well um, and they just said go for it so yeah I just coding wasn't an option so I auditioned for my living room I didn't think I would get in <laughs> but I did so that was really exciting it gave me hope I think that I was like you know by the end of this year I'm getting out of here I'm getting out of Melbourne mm. fresh stuff it's going to be terrifying but you know, it's a second chance, which mm. they do not very often at all. Um, and I also reached out to Ben Davies, who's a former Aussie ballet dancer. Um, and he was director of a smaller full-time school within Melbourne. Um, Cause around about when this happened, we were starting to be able to go to studios and, mm-hmm. um, I just I needed somewhere to go I needed someone to do class so I reached out to him through a friend and he was super super generous and let me join their full-time training um for their morning classes so I got back into a group of dancers and he had just some (laughs) incredible things to share as well and I felt like I started to learn before I came here as well which was really great um so yeah I think yeah lockdown taught me a lot um I went through a lot of growth and change in 2020 and I think it's a bit of an unpopular opinion but that year was just a blessing in disguise um and yeah I think they're going away as well prior to like lockdown mm. really to how big the ballet world actually is because we're so easy to get stuck in this little bubble down in Australia um and it made me realize my worth as well. so yeah and I I heard recently, I think it was on another podcast that rejection can lead to redirection. Mm -hmm. And I just, that was so relevant here (laughs) Mm because it really, um, so yeah, fast forward to 2021, I came up to Brisbane
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: joined the free professional program, um, which was terrifying, but also I remember my family saying this to me as well. I've never seen you so happy and I, I genuinely was, um, I had this newfound confidence I felt like it was my second chance mm-hmm. my little niche was noticed but I you know this time was getting opportunities because of it instead of in spite of it mm-hmm. um, and yeah I had a fantastic year um met some really beautiful people as well and yes yeah, so, so then you get to I call it the pointy end of the year or mm-hmm. for Australia yeah September so we mm-hmm. find out with the contract or not mm-hmm. um second second time round, I, I kind of knew what to expect obviously but that also triggered so many fears within me yeah. because it, before you know I'd had such a good year and it all went south so I was so paranoid that yeah.
2: um
1: so I went into my interview and I was like well I've left it all out there you know I um I hope I have a job if not I'm ready to go again mm-hmm. um the fire in me that I definitely still want to do this and Mm -hmm. I'm putting myself out there if this doesn't work um and then I got some unexpected news instead and was um invited by the artistic director to join the company as an intern um which essentially meant that I was it was a signed agreement but not a contract that I would be paid for the performances I did get to do but Other than that, it was full-time hours, unpaid. And, yeah, it was a one-off circumstance. Nothing Mm -hmm. you can (laughs) audit. So defeated. You know, I just thought, how can I be so apparently employable, but, yeah, unemployed. Um, And, you know, within that year, priority did have to be given to the people that had had to repeat pre-professional program. Mm -hmm. Um, But, obviously, I was a bit older. I'd had experience. There was obviously interest. so, yeah, I had to decide whether or not I would risk it all and try and get a job overseas when overseas was still only just sort of opening up since so mm. 2021. It was still COVID around. There was still not many job opportunities mm-hmm. coming in. Um, but I was humbled and reminded by some friends and, you know, my family that, you know, I was still somewhere to be. It was still exposure to a company and repertoire and somewhere to keep going.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I'm quite an emotional person. I'm gonna try yeah. and keep it. It's okay. It's hard.
2: <laughs> <laughs> two
1: weeks later, my family was still down in Melbourne at this point as well. Um mm-hmm. and Melbourne had border closures. So I couldn't see them, they couldn't see me. It had been about six months. Yeah. Um and yeah, about two weeks after that circumstance happened, my mum was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And I just remember asking her, what can I do for you? And it's okay. <laughs>
0: it's it's really hard. It's okay. <laughs> it's all good. You've got um, this.
1: She said, I just need you to keep going. Don't give up. So yeah, there's one thing I still find it hard to this yeah. day to admit. If there's yeah. one thing I know brilliant. Um, and I did to know how this was gonna pan out. I couldn't imagine, you know, giving up this far in and then wondering what if for the rest of my life. Yeah so I did, I took the internship. <laughs> So, um, yeah. yeah, that um ended up I don't know, I guess I just was like, well, third time lucky.
0: <laughs> yeah, just uh, gotta keep yeah. going,
1: see what happens. Oh yeah. I came in every day. I did everything in my power to prove I deserved a spot. I had pretty low expectations. You know, I'm at the bottom of the food chain here. There's a whole yeah. group of young for the company before me.
2: Yeah.
1: Um but there was, you know, it was a blessing as well because I was more available to be used with the company or I could be integrated with the young artists mm-hmm. and I mean, there were some days where I just felt you know invisible and it was so hard to feel like I belonged in the company when I wasn't even really a part of it. you know I was on the website I it was all very closed door because it's obviously this one-off, you know, circumstance.
2: yeah
1: it wasn't open to the public so mm-hmm. um. Yeah, and, like, none of the dancers made me feel that way. They were so incredibly supportive. Um, Mm -hmm. QBs referred to as a family, and I absolutely believe that. I think there's very much a group of genuine dancers here, which Mm -hmm. was so beautiful to come into after the past that I'd had. Yeah. But, yeah, and I, you know, still struggled with my self-doubt as well, so I found it so hard to believe that I was worthy of the things I wanted to achieve. Mm -hmm. Um. I definitely thought about quitting i remember there was a point where i said to my mum, i don't know how much longer or how much more i've got in me if this time doesn't work out you know this is well third time um i didn't know how much i could keep putting myself out there and being told i wasn't good enough or being told that i was so employable yet n- not, not yeah. <laughs> without further explanation. so but the feeling of quitting made me feel worse than carrying on did really so yeah and one member of staff in particular, I think I owe a lot to her. Um, she knew she could rely on me and she, I think gave me the opportunities that led me to be seen. So she would throw me in, <laughs> hope for the best. And yeah, I got to use, I guess, my strengths to my advantage, which was great. Um, and yeah, I, you know, it was also, cause it was an unpaid position for the most part, getting up at five 30, a lot of mornings, going to work at a local cafe for a three to three and a half hours and then I would go and do 10 to six. If we were in season it was longer, or I would come out after morning class and the gap between shows and work. And every weekend I was working, I was just completely burning myself to the ground.
0: Mm-hmm. Um I was gonna but, say were you having to work alongside that if you only paid for the shows you did. Yeah,
2: I did oh. so
1: get it very often. Um and I I mean another blessing also I guess um Mm. auditioning as well when I could so okay I had to pay for which I could go on for hours about making students I think it's so wrong in
0: you in Australia
1: well this this audition's
0: not in Australia
1: me coming to Australia to do some oh okay so I had to pay to go down to Sydney to do it paying for the audition itself um rude I have never heard the outcome of that audition we got told we would find out a few months later Nothing. And, and I see you I still too many
0: Literally, I'm over being ghosted yeah it's like, li- like <laughs> what like I don't understand it like I was making a list yesterday about all the places that I've like applied for and I was like majority no answer like yeah 20 out of 25 of these no like no answer.
1: I don't get yeah. it. So weird um, and wrong.
2: <laughs>
1: I think, especially you know, so many people went down for that. It was in the middle of winter. It was horrible.
2: Oh, gosh, day later, so it was just yeah, not oh. not the peak. Oh well, you kept going. Yeah.
1: Um mm-hmm. I went across to WA in my week break, did company class with them, mm-hmm. but I. I remember coming out and called my mum, and I said, I felt so good. I felt like I really gave it my all, but I don't think they're hiring. And it's not that I didn't think they were interested. I just had a gut feeling and yeah, that one didn't work out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the scariest one was actually that I went back to Melbourne and auditioned for Storytime again,
2: because mm-hmm. it
1: was coming the first time since the year that I did it. So pre-COVID. And um, yeah, I stepped foot back in the building, that I walked out of feeling pretty broken.
2: <laughs> yeah. Scary enough
1: doing an audition (laughs) um but yeah I think in a way it was closure I think I needed it okay yeah that felt good and that one actually worked out so I was offered a contract for that Mm -hmm. which then I take to my artistic director and at this point I hadn't heard yet I had no indication of whether they were considering me for young artists whether they were considering me for main company or anything at all Mm -hmm. um so yeah I had to take this to them and eventually decided to let it go um and thankfully a week later i was offered the company i was contract with queensland Valley, so oh my uh, long time coming <laughs> finally managed to snag one, which felt i didn't believe it at the time i actually just sat there and went <laughs> like just zoned out yeah but, yeah so I'm, I'm three months into that now
0: which is- that is so exciting yeah i love that i like oh Happy, well, it's not the end, but like, it's a happy Happy. moment, it's a happy moment after like such a long slog. I call it the long slog. Yeah. It was like a slog.
1: It was was a difficult journey. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How, like, so come, you know, so now that you're in the company, has it, is it, have you felt a massive change with like compared to being an intern
1: um I think the weirdest thing is actually just that um there's not this unfamiliarity of okay. not unfamiliarity that's not what I was looking for um uncertainty mm-hmm. you know of what's gonna happen okay yeah to me when am I gonna be a part of this production am I gonna do this you yeah. know the point last year where there were about three months where I was just going in and standing in rehearsals every day trying to learn something trying to keep myself moving but I just wasn't needed and that was so hard and now you know at least you know you're going to be a part of the productions which is very exciting Mm. in some way you know you um but yeah I think that's just the weirdest thing I still find myself someone will mention you know um something to do with coming up to the audition point of the year um, and I start panicking. I'm like, Oh my God, that's coming soon. And then forgetting that I don't have to go through that anymore. And yeah, I've just had the same sense of uncertainty for about three or four years now that it's just normal to me. So yeah. the weirdest is actually just been able to come in every day and just work and grow and learn and find out now who I am mm. as an as a part of a company, um, yeah, I think that's been the weirdest adjustment, actually. Yeah.
0: Oh, well, yeah. I well, like I can imagine. Like you get used to the uncertainty. I, I, I phrase. I always say that like it's like living on the edge. Like you just don't know what's gonna like where the edge. Like it's like a blind edge. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's like, how, how, how I
0: feel. That's how it feels. So weird. <laughs> it's such a weird. I mean, it's not that much of a blind edge, but it's 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 uncertain. Yeah, maybe yeah. there's maybe you got hundred another few meters of thing, maybe nothing. I don't
1: know. Yeah, no, we we don't get the luxury of choosing where we're gonna end up. No. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny how used to it you get. I didn't realize until now, mm. only a week ago, did I kind of put my finger on it. I was like, oh wow, that's what it is.
0: Yeah. How, so, I mean, gosh, it must be like such a nice experience and congratulations because it's a challenging journey that you've been through. Um, Now that you're, like I always, and every company is different, so this is more like also intrigue. Um, Mm -hmm. Now that you've got a contract um, and obviously like each season, like, do you have to, do you know, like, when it comes to the net, like, later at the end of this season, um, I guess, like, you won't have to, you'll just find out if you're, basically, the Queensland Ballet do permanent contracts? Like, is that a thing? Um, I believe you know? so. Okay. Like. Maybe yeah, after a set amount of
1: time. Yeah, I think okay. so. so I know that only on is for 12 months um, okay so obviously you, know, you have your performance review how you go and that sort of thing yeah um but yeah I'm actually I'm yet to find out how that all works
0: so. um, you don't need to worry about it for now You've just got to soak in the The I think
1: like it's only 12 months and then I have no clue I'm still adjusting to that Okay. Um, it's, uh, yeah.
0: it's more That's the that's the next part of the journey you don't have to worry yeah. about that <laughs>
1: at the moment it's quite nice to almost slow down and just enjoy
0: current phase that i'm in yeah and you should as you should soak it all up um i feel like this is a really great place to wrap up the episode um i don't think i have really any more questions like delve into um but do you have any last final words for the listeners any words of wisdom advice thoughts anything I think
1: just you know know that you're enough that's been the hardest thing for me to admit to myself um I think give yourself permission to believe you are worthy of your goals um and to take up space because there is a space for everyone and there's a place for everyone um And I love that my mom and I recently were reflecting on, you know, what she's been through, what I've been through. And she just said that if anything, I've learned that um, you're more strong and capable of things than you can ever imagine. And I think that it's important to look at, you know, the point that you're in as rough as it might be at the time, look at what it could be trying to teach you and how you can grow from it and what you can get out of it, despite how unfortunate it is at the time um but yeah i know i wouldn't be where i am or who i am if i hadn't have gone through all of this so yeah
0: yeah i, think- oh, I love that that's my little tuesday motivation right there I think- yeah, I think
1: <laughs> we'll keep going <laughs>
0: um, um so before we finish where can the listeners find you if they want to follow you on instagram follow continue to follow your journey
1: yeah, um, probably Instagram is the best one for me. I'm
0: mm-hmm.
1: Rose with an underscore, I think.
0: I'll link uh, it below if yeah, it's fine.
1: I I love. I mean, thank you as well for giving me the space to share because yeah, I really hope that it reaches someone who needs to hear it. Or yeah, I'm I'm always open to unpacking these these things and talking about people's journeys and experiences. I love finding out more about people so yeah
0: well I love a little unpacking I mean it was yeah it's really nice because I feel like we went through a lot of similar things so it's like nice mm-hmm. also yeah. for me like I'm like oh I wasn't alone someone on the yes. other side of the world was dealing with it <laughs> oh
1: yeah actually I didn't I haven't anyone else yet that was completely alone in 2020 and has gone through all of this as well so it's
0: crazy, crazy. I mean yeah. I'm sure there's so many people like yeah, yeah. it's crazy but yeah thank you so much for coming on i had a great time and i hope you did too thank you and so much. no worries and every people listening tuning in um in your wherever you're listening you can hear me same time next week bye